0: Hey, Grant, that's Pastor Rob. It's great to see you today. Hey, I was driving past uh, Camp Wilson the other day, and and a couple of weeks ago it said closed until further notice on their front sign. And now it says check our website for information. And, you know, I know that seems like a tiny little thing, but I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to see that our world is opening back up a little bit. Uh, If you're watching this online on a Sunday morning, um, we are also doing a service live here outside And uh, I would encourage you, if you can make one of those the next few weeks, to please come. We would love to have you here with us. If you cannot, we're excited to be able to minister to you and to hear from you. Um, And we have people ready here to chat with you right now. And we we are excited to be a part of your faith journey and your pursuit of Jesus Christ. So Camp Wilson, if you're not from around here, is a YMCA camp down the street. It's on the same road that Grant Brethren Church is. And, you know, Camp Wilson and I have a, a long history. I, I went to camp there once when I was a kid. And when I, I say once, I mean once because it was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. Uh, essentially, what happened, and I razz my mom about it to this day, is that my parents uh, misunderstood which day they were supposed to pick me up. So, my, I myself and my brother, we were both there. Uh, we both thought we were getting picked up on Friday night, and so did all the campers. Uh, my parents thought it was Saturday. And so Friday afternoon, early Friday evening, came and went with everybody, including us, all packed up and ready to leave camp and go home after a great week at camp, a fun time. And, you know, kid after kid was picked up. Parents come, pick up their child, kiss them, hug them, say, I love you, and leave. And, and, and one after the other and as the the day got later it was like well this is plain weird where's mom and dad and so the camp said the same thing where's your mom and dad <laughs> and they called them and it turns and it turns out they were out to dinner and at that point um you know cell phones were not a thing. So it was a matter of leaving a message on a voicemail at the house and waiting for them to get it. And they didn't get it until nearly midnight because they were out enjoying probably what they thought was their last night of freedom without their kids for the foreseeable future. And so, you know, I got to tell you, it was one of the Scariest days in my life as a kid, just because I thought these people that, that love me so much and that I love so much. I mean, mom and dad, when you're a kid, your parents are the center of your universe. And I thought, oh my goodness, they have abandoned us, they have left us. Well, we got very blessed, you know, the next day they showed up at the time they thought they were supposed to. Um, and when I tell my mom to this day that it scarred me for life it didn't <laughs> it didn 't. I know that my mother and father loved me very, very much. It was just one of those moments, one of those things that happened and if you 've ever been a parent, um, you realize there are just moments when you make a mistake and you just Hope and pray that you don't mess the kid up too much along the way. You hope that the Lord is with them and, and pushing forward with them and helping them turn into who they're, they need to be. So, But when that happens, when that happens, when you feel like somebody important to you has abandoned you, when they have left you, when they are not there and you expected them to be there, I think, I think that's one of the most terrifying feelings you can have in your life. Our series that we're in the midst of right now is called The Quiet Game, and The Quiet Game is, is us trying to consider how to seek God's presence when he seems silent. Last week, we talked about the need to lean into our faithful past, remembering who our God is. If you saw our Instagram account all week this week, I hope you saw devotional slides every day, kind of, hey, think about this point of our sermon, kind of think about what God would... Add to your, has added to your, what I call a rock pile, your memories of his faithfulness in your life. But this week we're going to talk about something called forsaken too. What happens when you feel like God has forsaken you, when he has abandoned you in the midst of your difficulty? See, when, when he's silent in the midst of those things, when you expected him to show up in some big way, and he hasn't yet, that is a frightening frightening moment for us as followers of Jesus Christ. Our minds begin to run wild, even you know, just feeling like that he has forgotten us. My goodness. I I, I don't know that there's a scarier thing. If you've put all of your hope and all of your dreams and all of your belief and trust and faith into the Lord, and yet he doesn't seem to be there, you feel like it, in a little bit, you might feel like it was all for naught. The, uh, there's a saying that says there are no atheists in foxholes, right? That's the notion there that, that in, under, in the midst of turmoil, even though we as Christians, if, we, if God is not speaking to us, we are concerned. Uh, the reality is that in the midst of difficulty, when you feel like your life is in danger, it's, it's interesting how, how people who even do not prof- profess a faith suddenly do in the midst of turmoil. Even Christians, we kind of dig in more to our faith in the midst of turmoil. We hope to seek God's presence. We hope to find him, even if he's been silent or if we've been silent with him up until this moment. We hope that we'll find him. If the concern or the foxhole we're in is short-lived, we generally go, Thank you, Lord, and we move on back to the life we had before. We don't let it impact us too awful much. And that's, I don't know if that's a good thing. But if it's long, if the turmoil we are in is overbearing and lengthy and difficult and challenging, we can find ourselves saying, you know, if God is with me, if this God who, who's promised to be with me is with me, where is he? Where is he? Because it sure doesn't feel like it. Even Jesus, in 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 his words, while he's hanging on the cross, in Matthew chapter 27, 45 and 46, right? He's on the the brink of death. And it says this, it says, at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. And at about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lema shabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? It's a feeling that I think if you've been a Christian and been through a season of darkness, a season where it felt like it was never going to end and this roller coaster ride you were never going to be able to get off of and you couldn't sense the presence of God, I think you can identify with that. To the people who watched Jesus die, it was vexing right? That's the, you know, even bystanders misunderstood. They thought he was calling out for Elijah. My guess is partially because they couldn't fathom, right? They couldn't fathom that the son of God would be asking, where is God? Where are you, right? Have you forgotten me? Why would he, why would he say such a thing? Did he really feel that way? I mean, Jesus is God, right? He's God. And if he's God, how could he be? It's confusing, but I think one of the things we miss, is that, and that we need to remember, is that Jesus had a two-fold goal in his time on earth. The first was to conquer death, right? Building a, a permanent bridge over this chasm between us and God, and, and through his atoning death and burial and resurrection, to, to present to us right an opportunity for salvation, an opportunity for reunion with God. And let's be very clear, that is the greatest gift any of us have ever been offered and that we could ever receive. It's the greatest words and the greatest mission ever in the history of mankind. But he also came to teach his people how to follow him. In good times and in bad, in darkness and in light, Jesus knew he was going to be with the Father. Jesus knew as he was hanging on the cross that he was not forsaken. But he does know how we must feel in those times. That phrase, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me, that Jesus pulled that from Psalm 22. And, and we're going to take some time today to go through Psalm 22, because the psalmist here demonstrates for us, and I think Jesus picked those words on purpose, the psalmist here demonstrates for us what some of us feel like, honestly, sometimes when we feel like God is not with us. Listen to his words. It says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my words of groaning? My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer by night, and yet I have no rest. What what a human emotion that is, right? Who can't identify with that? Who can't identify with feeling like you've been abandoned? Even if it wasn't by God himself, if you feel like you've been abandoned by your your parents, or by a loved one, or by someone you, you expected to depend on, and suddenly they're not there anymore. Danny Gokey, a Christian artist, tells a story about how he grew up going to church and knowing the Lord and having, having been converted and fo- to a follower of Jesus Christ as a teenager, and, and, but he also describes always having this gnawing feeling. This gnawing feeling, this fear that God would leave him behind because of his failures. And asking, is there a limit to God's love? Is there a limit to how much he'll love me in the midst of my darkness, especially if it's a darkness of my own making? At 22, 23 years old, he marries a young lady named Sophia. Sophia. Who had grown up with some heart difficulties, love of his life. And at 24, they find out that these heart difficulties have returned. She's going to need more procedures. Four years later, four years later, as as they've gone through procedure after procedure and they've gone through treatment after treatment and moments of waiting and anguish and praying. He was left wondering, God, why, why, why are you doing this? You, you could stop this. And when his love Sophia died, he was left saying, God, you could have saved her. You could have saved her. And he openly wondered, God, are are you mad at me? Have you, have you left me? It plagued him. It absolutely plagued him. As you hear him tell his story, and I would encourage you to listen to it, it's one of the many films done by a group named I Am Second. It's one of their white chair films where individuals sit in a chair and kind of lay out their journey with God and the challenges they've had with other pieces of their lives and with their relationship with God. They are brutally honest and powerful in nature. But once, once Danny Danigoki was able to, to let go of it, to let go of, of these, his fears of being abandoned, his fears that he wasn't going to be good enough, and his fears that God would forsake him, he realized that God had never abandoned him. The psalmist does this same thing. If we go back to Psalm 22, in, Psalm, in verse 3, it says, but you are, you are holy, Lord, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Right? Our ancestors trusted you; they trusted you, and they rescued, and you rescued them. They cried to you, and you were set free. They trusted you, and they were not disgraced. He, he, he knows the psalmist knows from where he's come. He knows that that the Lord has been with his people throughout time. He knows who God is, but in the midst of his darkness, he then goes back to the doubts. Verse six, he says, "But I am a worm." Again, back to am I good enough, right? Danny Goki's feeling of I can't possibly good enough. I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by people. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and they shake their head. He relies on the Lord. Let the him save him. Let the Lord rescue him since he takes pleasure in him. Can you imagine Jesus himself? before he's hung on the cross, as he's carrying his cross through Jerusalem, hearing that, right? Hearing. Well, if he's really God, let him save himself. If he's really all that in a bag of chips, where's God now? Where's, why can't he just snap his fingers and come off the cross? And the thing is, he, he, he could have. I have no doubt about that. He could have done so In the blink of an eye. And yet, he chose to endure that. He chose to be in that darkness. It's a darkness that the psalmist knows, and it's a darkness that some of us as followers of the Lord know, and it certainly is a darkness that the world knows. Feeling like there's no hope, there's no way out. And sometimes it's not even worth living. The psalmist keeps going. You know, his doubts give way to fears. It says in verse 9, it says, It was you who brought me out of the womb. You made me, right? Making me secure at my mother's breast. I was given over to you at birth. You have been my God from my mother's womb. There's that, that history again. Don't be far from me. Because distress is near, and there's no one to help. He's begging and pleading and going, where are you, God? You made me. Is that not the question some of us ask? ask, You you made me. Why? Why, if you love me, would you put me in such a mess? Why would you abandon me if you love me so much? He keeps going talking about the distress that he's about to be in. In verse 12, it says, Many bulls surround me, strong ones of Bashan encircle me. They, they open their mouths against me, lions mauling and roaring. I am poured out like water, and my bones are disjointed. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You put me into the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. A gang of evildoers has closed in on me. They, they pierced my hands and my feet. I, can't, I can count all my bones. People look and they stare at me. They divided my garments among themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. But you, Lord, please, you can almost hear him, please don't be far away. My strength, come quickly to help me rescue my life from the sword. Only my life from the power of these dogs. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horn's. Of wild oxen. Jesus chose, chose this psalm for a purpose. It, it's, it's a clear, honest picture of someone who feels abandoned. I, I can't imagine the disciples themselves, right? They're watching as Jesus chose these words, right? They're watching their leader. The one they have put all of their faith and all of their life, and they've left behind everything else of who they are, and they're they're watching. They're watching him hang on a cross, and they're watching him die. And they have to be wondering. I would think, was this all for naught? Did I? Did we choose to give up our lives? Did we choose to follow this man for three and a half years? only to find out there's nothing? That he's leaving us? That he's he's going on to heaven without us and and we're not going to follow him and this kingdom we thought he was going to usher in, this earthly kingdom, isn't coming. He's leaving us? And the truth is, if, if... the psalmist in Psalm 22, and if, if Jesus, as he's hanging on the cross, and if we ended there, we would miss something. We would miss the very presence and the power of God. And so often, I think, in the middle of our darkest times, we do stop. Stop. We stop leaning in to God. We stop reading his word. We stop going to him in prayer. We stop pursuing him and approaching him and chasing him. And yes, begging him. And we we give up. Maybe it's because we feel like we're abandoned. Maybe it's because others in our lives have abandoned us. And I've worked with um, a number of of children over the years in a children's ministry. And many of them did not have the blessing of growing up in a church body. And when, when we would go meet a new kid... To pick them up, to begin to take them places, to involve them in the ministry work we were doing to bring them to VBS or, or to take them to, to church on a Sunday or just out to the park or on an outing. It was always amazing to me how, how many of these kids, you would tell them, We're going to be there at 5 o'clock on Friday afternoon to get you. It's amazing how many of them would start calling me at 2 o'clock, going, Are you coming still? And at 2.30, are you coming still? Or at 3 o'clock, are you coming still? And don't be late. Because if you're not there by 4.59 at 5.01, your phone is blowing up. And it's because I believe that so many people in their lives that they believe they could depend on and should be able to depend on, to depend on, abandoned them. And so we're kind of programmed to assume, we're kind of programmed to assume that others will never quite live up to our expectations, right? That doesn't keep us from getting frustrated when they don't, Right? But, but, but there is a defense mechanism we have to protect our own selves, to protect ourselves from further hurt, to protect ourselves from further pain, to protect ourselves from further investment. We kind of block things off because we assume that everyone is going to fall short of being everything I need in a moment's time. And can I just tell you from a human perspective that totally makes sense, but from a godly perspective, it absolutely makes no sense. God has demonstrated time after time in life after life, century after century, millennia after millennia, that he ain't going anywhere. So if we keep going, as the psalmist is about to do, check this out. If we keep going, see what we find on the other side. He says, you you answered me. In verse 22, it's actually the end of verse 21. So and He says, you answered me. Remember, just a few verses ago, or the previous verse, he's talking about being destroyed by wild oxen. He's talking about being run over and begging for God to show up and begging for God to rescue him. And he's holding on and holding on, and he gets to the other side, and he said, you, you answered me. I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you in the assembly. You, you who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. All you descendants of Israel, revere him. For he has not despised or abhorred the torment of the oppressed. He did not hide his face from him, but listened when he cried to him for help. And he goes on, his response, I will give praise to the great assembly because of you. I will fulfill my vows before those who fear you. The humble will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts Live forever. The psalmist, as, as almost always the case with the psalms, they, they go through that roller coaster ride. I think that's why we that's why we identify with them so much, because they are they they are indicative of what it means to be someone following God. It's it's really the only book in all of scripture that I think is that honest and that open that expresses frustrations, that expresses anger, that expresses feelings that aren't so clean and aren't so pretty and my phone is dinging so we need to turn that off so it won't continue to ding. (laughs) It is passionate emotion. It is honest emotion. And it is something that each and every one of us as followers of the Lord will probably have to address at some point in our lives. That we'll have to feel like God is not addressing, that not God is not addressing our difficulty, that God is not delivering us in our timing, that God is not saving us from what we're experiencing. My advice, what we see over and over and over and over again is this, is that the Lord works on his own timing. And that the things that he's laying out, the things that he is planning, the things that he is trying to make happen, as we discussed last week in Romans 8.28, right? All things work for the glory of those who love him. That glory that we we approach, that we are looking at, that we can see in all of eternity, that glory that's before us, that's that is worth every ounce of difficulty we're in right now, even if it doesn't feel like it right now. And God has made that promise that he will deliver us. He will lift us up. He will remove us from our enemies. And often, so often, we find out that he's even willing to do that and does do that right here, right now, in this time and place, if we stick with him. Listen to the psalmist's Statement about eternity in verse 27 as we finish up. He says, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before you for kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules the nations. All who prosper on earth will eat and bow down. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Even the ones, even the ones who cannot preserve his life. Their descendants will serve him. The next generation will be told about the Lord. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born. They will declare what he has done. I'm still dinging. My goodness. In the midst of our challenges, in the midst of our difficulties. Persevering has an opportunity to have an impact not just on my life, but on the lives of those who follow me. I want my children to know that their God would never leave them. Because someday I will. Someday I will pass on into eternity and, and, and be with Jesus. I believe that with all my heart. But I want them to know that even as I pass, he has never left them. And I want my grandchildren to know that and my great-grandchildren to know that as we deal with the difficulties of the life we are in right now, the moments, the challenges, the health concerns, the COVID-19 stuff, the riots that are surrounding us right now, the upheaval that is happening in our world around us. Remember this. Remember that the stories we read, what we read in Psalm 22, what we read in the books of the prophets, what we read in the story and the life of Jesus Christ and his followers, those are stories of those who stuck it out. Those are stories of those who refused, refused to buy some lie that they were abandoned by their God. To believe with all of their heart, soul, strength, and mind that God was with them, that God had never left them, that God would not forsake them. And that is our our honor and our call to be those witnesses for those who will follow us. It's such a blessing. I can't even begin to describe it. And so my, my prayer, I'm gonna I'm gonna pray and then and then our praise team's gonna close with a couple of songs. You know, our my prayer is that we will be people of perseverance. That will be people that will make the choice to lean into God instead of away from God. That we will be people who will not buy the lie, the idea that he has abandoned us. And remember that if we can make it through, he will deliver us. He's a God who keeps his promises. He is a God who is faithful and a God who loves his people. And a God that will never leave us and never forsake us. Let's pray. Father God, we are humbled that you would call us your people. We certainly do not deserve it. We certainly could not earn it. Yes, we are broken. Yes, we make messes. Yes, we fail to follow you at times, but you are always there. You have not left us, you have not abandoned us, and you would not do such a thing. And for that, we are grateful. I pray that we will be people of perseverance, that we will be people that leave a legacy in your name that glorifies you and strengthen those that follow us. But I know that only happens if we keep you at the center of what we are doing. The center of our decisions, the center of our lives. And the center of our thoughts. Lord God, I pray that you will keep safe those of us who are able to meet today. And you'll bring us back again for another opportunity. I pray that we have a chance to be a blessing in one another's lives. And that we have a chance this week and the courage this week to be a blessing unto the world. It is in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen.